You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Well, good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan, filling in today, hosting with my friend and colleague, Naz. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great today. Well, so-so after last Tough night's loss, loss last night, but you know, we'll take it as is. And joining us by phone, and certainly not forgotten, is uh, Mr. Walter Rigabon. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Mike, and good morning, Naz. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Wally. How about you? I'm doing good, thanks. First question i got to ask, Mike, uh, what's Naz wearing this morning? Well, he came in with a Buffalo Bills toque on, and he has his Maple Leafs uh, hoodie on, so he looks he looks very dashing today. <laughs> okay, I, I take it he's not wearing any crimson tide. Uh, no tide, no tide. They, they got listen, rolled. Uh, they listen, got rolled. I'm throwing a Nerf ball myself because uh, my my team. I'm not no Notre Dame stuff on for me today. Listen, either. I guess Notre Dame's ranked ahead of Alabama because they only lost to him by twenty seven, <laughs> right? No, actually, and Alabama actually, lost by twenty eight. Actually, that that may be my uh, my edge on you, Naz. But according to the ratings, which I'll never understand, uh, Alabama finished number two, and they dropped Notre Dame. AP dropped Notre Dame to number five, which made no sense to me whatsoever, uh, given the fact that the only loss was to the eventual champion. And but uh, we can debate it all we want. Obviously, Clemson was the was the better team on Monday night, and. Uh, Exposed the one area of Alabama that you always had some concern about, and Franceschetti always had some concern about, was which was their defense. But give credit to Clemson, man. That quarterback, Frenchman, he was on. Uh, he was on. Trevor Lawrence or whatever his name was, and that and that receiver, that kid, nineteen years old from Alabama. Uh, no, the Clemson receiver. Oh, okay. Uh, no, he's from Alabama. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, he's from Alabama. Yeah, yeah and, and he spurned the he spurned the. The, the tide program and uh, man, that uh, I can't believe somebody so young can have so much talent. You got to uh, get anyway. Saban. You got to get Saban to recruit better, Wally. <laughs> no, I think he's doing <laughs> just fine. As I said, the only thing I and I know we don't want to belabor the topic. It was uh, it's all it's almost old news now. Six six days ago, but uh, the only thing I'm gonna we can leave it at this. I'm just hopeful next year. We, we don't get Clemson, Alabama again in the title game. We need a little bit of variety. I mean, uh, this is this Clemson, Alabama, notwithstanding the talent level on those two teams, I got to tell you, Naz, it's getting a little bit stale. Yeah, how do you stop that, though? That they recruit so well, you know, both teams recruit so well. How do you stop it? I have no idea. Whatever, whatever Swinney and Saban are doing it, they're doing it at a level that nobody else in uh, – and college football down there seems to be doing so. You know, obviously they are two incredibly successful programs, but like I said, we need a little bit of variety. Maybe next year in the title game, maybe we, we've got to see an Ohio State or a Southern Cal or uh, Notre Dame. Or a Notre Dame, Mike. Or Notre Dame. You had to throw that one in, eh, Mike? I had to get that in there. Well, we're on that topic, and that's probably a good lead into another painful topic that we're going to have to discuss here this morning. <laughs> Last night, once again, the Achilles heel for our Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins, came into town and stole a 3-2 victory. Walter, did Jack actually happen to see the game last night? 
Uh, without betraying, uh, without trying to get myself in a little in, in trouble, I actually did saw the game. I did see the game last night. I, I won't. I won't elaborate on how I was able to see it. Uh, <laughs> it's not easy for Canadians, uh, given all the roadblocks that our cable companies and our telcos and our CRTC put in front of us to actually watch Canadian TV when you're out of the country. But I will just say this: I did watch the game. Okay, and your thoughts? Uh, I thought the Leafs played a good game. Uh, and, you know, we can continue to discuss this uh, during the show. Naz, I know uh, it may be a good time to tell our listeners before I get into it what, what's yeah, yeah. coming up. We'll, we'll do that. Well, yeah, we uh, do. I mean, well, we do have John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills, on joining us in about uh, 10 minutes. So stay with perfect. us. You want to hear yeah, that. I was able to watch some of the football. Watch the Leafs game. I thought the Leafs, uh, you know, and I've read some of the reports this morning, Mike, uh, Breaking down the the analytics guys are breaking down all the possession stuff and uh, grading all the players and uh, uh, I thought the Leafs played a good game. Um, um, it's the type of game. And it was almost like it seemed like a playoff game. I know you were at the game, Mike. I yeah. don't know what the atmosphere was like in the building, but on TV it looked like uh, two teams that are, are getting ready for another showdown. Obviously, uh, 13.7 seconds left in the second period. Uh, Zaitsev coughs it up in the corner, and uh, with the benefit of hindsight, that uh, I guess that cost them the game, didn't it? Well, the the the, the point is, is that uh, you know it was a playoff atmosphere in the building last night. Everybody has that feeling, especially when it's Boston, and there seem to be more Boston sweaters or jerseys or whoever's listening, which or whatever you call it, throughout the building. But the point of the matter is that I think Toronto's finding out the hard way. This is very reminiscent of the Tampa game, which I think was the best game the Leafs played this year, even though they lost 4-1. But if you take away the three posts hit in the first period and, you know, Tampa capitalizing on their chances in the second. That was in, that was in Tampa. And right? I was in Tampa, and that was a terrific hockey game. And the other game I thought of the same level was in San Jose earlier in October. But last night, the Leafs played a great game. Uh, but I, But the thing about it was... What they're finding out, and they're finding out the hard way, is that talent alone will not win hockey games. The thing is, you know, teams have certain teams' numbers. And you look at Washington and Boston. There was a stat on the other night. Washington has beat Boston 14 in a (laughs) row. 14 in a row, the Capitals have beat the Bruins. And it just happens that the Leafs can't beat Boston for whatever reason. Yeah, well, I think these teams, what they're doing with the Toronto, what they're doing is they're leaning on them a little more. They're playing a heavier game. And what Toronto's finding is if you make a mistake, like even though Toronto, the, the guys just tilt a little bit more into Boston than last night. And I'm not saying that just as a Toronto fan, but three mistakes, three goals in the back. Tuka Rask was outstanding last night. He played he a very played good game. He played very, very well. You know, yeah, but is, yeah, but that's, uh, I mean, I'm not going to blame Hutchinson for, uh, for last night's loss. I mean, you know, you know, you can always use, you know, you know, you can always try and speculate: Is it a different game if Anderson's in the net playing at a, at his at the top of his game? Well, if Anderson's in the net and playing at the top of his game, yeah, it is a different game. But, but that's not the point. I think Mike, you made you made a really good point, which is, you know, Leafs got to learn to win these types of games. Um, you know, it's it's not good enough just to you know just to say, well, they played a great game. They they had sixty percent of the possession. They had you know had most of the scoring chances, and yada yada yada. What's okay, this? What's that's this? Fine, but I, I checked the scorecard this morning, and Boston won three to two. Now I'm not going to make you know what, and you know, and I and I get the fact that we like to micromanage and microanalyze and say, okay, you know, we lost one game last night. Okay, that's right. it's, it's, it's a long season. 
Uh, Wally, the, the play of a couple of players is very disturbing right now. And which, one of them, which ones, Nat? Uh, which Nazem one? Kadri and uh, Marlowe, Patrick Marlowe. Patrick Marlowe looks like he's starting to lose a step. He doesn't go out. He doesn't get pucks out of the corner anymore. And I find it. I hope it's just a little slump. But uh, and Kadri's not playing mean enough. Well, what you're he's fu- a nasty player, and he hasn't played nasty all year. So, well, what you're finding is that the, the frustration when you're a good team and a team like Toronto, what teams are doing it, and it's and, and word very because it's a copycat league. Word is filtering throughout the league on how to, to stop Toronto. Now you can see their their power play got very predictable, and that's why Matthew was moved to the second unit to strengthen up and try and spread out some of the scoring. But on the same hand, if you stop Mar- if you stop Marner and Traveris, you're basically stopping the scoring in Toronto. Switch. So have now players are squeezing the stick a little harder. Watch Kadri now. He's hanging onto the puck the last three or four games. He's been hanging on the puck a little longer. Than instead of moving to the open guy, he's making that extra step, trying to store it, get that shot. And Marlowe's basically doing the same thing. The problem is that the teams know this. And, and Austin Matthews doesn't and have any room script. on the ice either, if wow. you really look at it. And you know what? I, you know what I would do? And if Kadri has played the wing, I'd move Kadri to the wing on uh, Matthews' line because... Matthew needs some protection, and uh, Kadri is slumping at uh, center. He should be moved to the wing to toughen up that line and create space for Matthews. Well, the, pro- you see, the thing with uh, Kadri is when he wasn't scoring at the beginning of the year, he was playing the de- other end of the game, the defensive side, very strong. He was getting the puck to his wingers. Getting the- he was moving the puck very well. But now that he hasn't scored, it's starting away on him. And you can see his game is being affected by it. And the same thing, as I just mentioned, has happened to Marlowe. And the fact that you know, even uh, Kapanen, who's been outstanding all year, he played a great game last night. But even he's a bit snake-bitten recently. So the Leafs, for this high-powered offense, seems to have been shut down and teams are finding a way to cut it off. Same way they yeah, did with but- the power play, as I mentioned. And Matthews. He gets pounded, and so does Tavares, though. I mean, Tavares has been exceptionally outstanding because he, these guys go after these guys and target them. They hit and chip these guys every chance they get, and they keep coming back. Whereas Matthew's getting a little frustrated. Look at the chance he missed at the end of the game last night to tie it up. I mean, normally he buries that, but yeah. last night the puck rolled off his stick. <laughs> Isn't, isn't the reality, guys, that, you know, the first 10 games of the season, and, you know, I, I think, Mike, you were probably, I, if I recall correctly, you were on one of our shows where we actually talked about this. You know, Leafs got off to a pretty hot start. They were scoring like crazy. Then, you know, then uh, expectations get taken to, you know, mm-hmm. to, the, to an incredibly high level. So, you know, every time you have a hiccup, you know, every you know we all look. Oh my God! Like, what's going on? And you know, and and it's fine because there's no other than Tampa. You know, there may be no. You know, even with Tampa, there's no team. There's no team in the NHL anymore that doesn't have holes in the lineup somewhere. So you know, the job of a Babcock or some of the other big coaches in the league is to you know figure out how to maximize your strength and cover your weaknesses. Well, the, reality, the reality is today, other than Tampa, which has taken their game and their point level to a different stratosphere, like there's six or seven teams that are in the mix, and Toronto's one of them. You know, you look out west, and I, you know, I just had an opportunity to look at the standings this morning for, for, for the first time in a while. No, you've got, you've got Calgary. You know, they've got over 60 points. Vegas, Naz, Vegas has gotten themselves up to 60 points. They've got more points than the Leafs do this morning. Uh, you know, you got Bo- you got Boston, who's right right there. You got Buffalo, and you've got Montreal. You know, Leafs have a three or four game losing streak, 
you know, and they're and they're and they're fighting with Ottawa and Montreal. You know what? The Leafs are called. You know, so you know it's you know the Leafs are in the mix of about right now. You take Tampa and you put them at a different level, and the Leafs are in a mix with about six or seven teams that can lay claim. And Winnipeg, I almost forgot, Winnipeg have got over sixty points. You can't so lose two in a row in this league, Wally. You can't even lose two in a row in this league. Yeah, I mean, it's, but the Leafs, are, Leafs are, are a good team. They're not a great team. And they're in the mix with about six or seven or eight teams that are going to fight it out to the, to the probably right till the final weekend for jockeying for whatever playoff spot, you know, they're going to be jockeying for. And hopefully, you know, the Leafs are just as good, you know, as 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 most, if not all, the other teams in the league right now, other than, let's say, Tampa. Mike, um, you, Mike, you know, uh, you've watched every game, mm-hmm. being the ultimate Leaf man, you've been at every game. <laughs> How have they been on the road compared to at home? Well, on the road, they play that different type of game. They play a little heavier on the puck. They play a little more defensive style of game. And the tendencies, even though they don't have the last change, are they, they almost, they, they, it's get the puck out first and score second mentality. Whereas at home, you get the home crowd behind you. It's the reversal. And the problem with the game of hockey and like any sport is what you're trying to do as a coach, and this is where coaching will come in in this, the last 38 games of this season and leading into a playoff run, is that what you look for is the anomalies in a team's weakness because the tendency is hard to do things over and over and become predictable. And as I just mentioned earlier in the show, that's what's happened with the Leafs' power play. That's what's happened with the Leafs, the way the Leafs are playing their breakout game. On the road, you have to play a little different style of game. And teams are actually doing that, and they're, they're, they're catching the Leafs that way. So what the Toronto's going to have to do is readjust this moving forward and get more of a road game at home. And if they do that, they'll have some success. But there's a long way to go, guys. I see here we're getting close to the, the moment uh, where we're those guys who pay the exorbitant amount of money to keep this show on the air are going to have to have their say. <laughs> and we're going to be back with uh, John Murphy, voice of the Buffalo Bills. Stay with us. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the gourmet special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. And we're back. It's Mike Wilson filling in for Wally, back with Naz. Uh, we were talking about the Leafs just before the break and how they play such a different game on the road, but we're going to, than they do at home. Hopefully, 38 games to go, guys, in the second half of the year. There's lots can happen, so we're looking for some changes, hopefully for the positive. And we're, they're learning from some of these uh, past losses. And one in four, by the way, in home in the last five games. So hopefully we'll see, we'll correct that starting tomorrow night against Colorado. But we're going to shift gears now and move to the other sport that's very topical right now, the NFL, with uh, the playoffs in full tilt. And joining us on the phone this morning from Buffalo is the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. Good morning, John. Good morning, fellas. How's things going down in uh, our old favorite uh, city south of Toronto? It's going well. It's a nice sunny day. It's a beautiful, balmy 13 degrees, but it's, it's, it looks nice. It's a nice sunny day in Buffalo. John, we had a positive year this uh, past year with the Bills at the tail end of the year. A lot of the uh, younger players developed. Uh, your thoughts on Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen, their development? Yeah, I, there, there's a lot to like there. And I, I have to say at the outset, it, it's interesting that you refer to a, a six-win season as a positive year. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree. It's been kind of an interesting uh, debate, I guess, over the last couple of weeks since the season ended, uh, you know, how much – how, what a good feeling the Bills left their fans in uh, 2018, the 2018 season, even though they only won six games. But I think it's indicative of uh, the progress made in developing young players, including the two you mentioned, uh, the two first-rounders. I think most uh, smart Bills fans knew that this season was about, number one, developing the quarterback, Josh Allen, seventh overall pick. And that was there was evident to see. He got better as the season went along. He had a a year that was interrupted by a four-game stint when he suffered an elbow injury. And when he came back from that injury and he, he returned to the lineup in late November, he was a, a different player who got better on an almost weekly basis. Um, so that, I think, is most encouraging to Bills fans, the fact that Josh Allen uh, showed uh, not just flashes but pretty consistent progress throughout his rookie year that he can play in this league and be successful in this league. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds uh, played all year. I think he missed one game due to injury this year. And um, he was he was he was pretty good, you know. Not mentioned as among the best uh, rookie linebackers in the league, but there was an awful lot in his plate when it came to, in terms of uh, uh, you know relaying defensive signals and being the captain of the defense out on the field and lining people up the right way. Eventually, during the course of the season, Tremaine kind of settled down from that aspect, the mental the mental aspect of the game, and and got into just playing football and and uh, made some pretty impactful plays. So. Both of them, both first-round picks, I think, showed a lot, showed progress throughout the year, and I think leave people with a pretty positive uh, feeling about the direction in which the team is headed. John, they have 10 picks in the draft coming up. Is that correct? They have 10? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are the Bills looking for to strengthen in their lineup? Well, most of their uh, deficiencies uh, were on the offensive side of the ball, and they have a lot. And I think uh, last year, you look back, and they spent most most of their free agency uh 
uh, capital and uh, many of their draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. I think offense will be the uh, focus this year. I think it will start with the offensive line. They have uh, a definite need at virtually every position on the offensive line. I mean, they may wind, they may wind up starting uh, you know three or four new players on the offensive line in 2019 than they did in 2018. They just need to get better there. Um, and I think that would be number one. And then they, they need targets. They need, uh, um, you know, weapons, offensive weapons. They need receivers. Um, they sort of uh, cobble together a group of, uh, you know, undrafted rookies and some other people who, uh, you know, just kind of fell into their lap and managed to get the passing game going a little bit during the last uh, six, seven weeks of the season. But they need more dynamic performers and more offensive weapons. And, and give, they need to give Josh Allen uh, people to throw to, essentially. And those are to me, would be the top two uh, targets of um, you know interest for the Bills in the draft, offensive line and wide receiver. Is there anybody on the team that uh, can replace Kyle Williams, the retired Kyle Williams, on the well, current roster? Yeah, I mean, the answer is no, uh, initially, just because Kyle brought so much to the table, both in terms of consistent, a high-level playing ability and leadership. He was, uh, you know, he was the, the unquestioned leader in that locker room for both both sides of the ball just because of his stature and his his work ethic and his approach to the game. So in that sense, he won't be replaceable. A year ago, they drafted young Harrison Phillips, uh, an offense or a defensive lineman who played, uh, you know, interior defensive line and actually even looks like Kyle, but he's got a long way to go, I think. Made some progress, third-round pick last year. Made some progress, got a lot of playing time, but I think they're looking for him to develop even more. So the quick answer is no. I mean, you can't just um, – manufacture a guy with like Kyle Williams with that much ability. He was a superior athlete, very quick, um, and that much moreover, that much uh, leadership and, and uh, that much uh, responsibility for the rest of the roster. That'll be a, a difficult uh, a position to fill. Uh, John, looking at the, the overall picture of the, of the division, it's been said before, and you can do this kind of tongue-in-cheek, that, you know, is New England really as good as they've been the, number of, the past number of years, or is the rest of the league just that bad, the rest of the division just that bad? Because if you think about it, I mean, the six games they play interdivisional, if they win those, they really only have to play 500 the rest of the way to qualify for the playoffs. So with a look in like now here, this is a very dumb thing to be saying possibly with them in the playoffs this afternoon, but with them possibly looking like there could be them maybe moving back to the pack slightly with, you know, Brady now moving on. And the rest of you, you know, with New York and Miami and yourselves, uh, the Bills all sort of leveled. Do you see that this uh, division all of a sudden now is going to be come back to a point where it's going to be open for anybody? And that should be with Josh Allen, as we've talked about now, being at that caliber of quarterback the Bills have been looking for, now leave the division wide open? Uh, I hope so, but we'll see. I think we'll get some evidence today. You know, as you mentioned, 1 o'clock today when the Chargers going into England and playing Foxborough. Um, not that that one game will decide the, the the fate of the AFC East next year, but look, there were enough chinks in the armor of the New England Patriots this year to get people kind of looking at them closely and saying, uh, huh, I wonder how much longer this can go. I mean, I just read a report this morning that uh, Rob Gronkowski may be evaluating this time for real whether or not to step aside. He talked about it last year. Uh, Brady is still very good and has expressed several times that he wants to keep playing until his mid-40s, but um, we'll see if he can play at a high level until his mid-40s, and we'll see, you know, what again, we'll see this afternoon how he does in a high-stakes playoff game. So, I would look. I'm not ready to, uh, you know, dance on the grave of the New England Patriots yet. As I said, we'll get more evidence today as to what their status is and where they're headed. But 
certainly the rest of the division is kind of waiting for a, a, a crack, you know, an opportunity to do something. And I think the Bills are, are well positioned to, to, to jump up. Um, the Bills and the Jets each have, have uh, young quarterbacks who just completed their first year in the league, and I think they both view themselves as, you know, challengers and potential successors to the Patriots. Uh, the Dolphins, with a new coach coming in, maybe uh, a year behind in terms of resetting what they're doing. But um, the first step is you have to find an opportunity that you know the Patriots are ready to step down, and they still have that great coach, and they still have talent around Tom Brady. Uh, but we'll see. Again, I think I'm really eagerly looking forward to today's game, just to kind of get a sense of where the Patriots are and what their championship contention status is for for this year, for the next uh, couple of weeks, or the next three weeks. You called uh, a game against the Chargers this year and twice against New England. Who do you like in this game, John? Well, that's a good question. Um, um, I, who do I like or who do I think is going to win? I like the Chargers. I like Anthony Lynn, their head coach, an awful lot. He was here in Buffalo for a couple of years, and I like his touch. I like the way he handles his team. I love his coaching staff. I've always been a Phillip Rivers fan. Uh, they have a lot of talent there. But look, you know, the, the Chargers are coming east again for the second consecutive week. That's not easy to do at once. Uh, the Patriots are outstanding at home. Um, I, I think the Patriots have to be favored in this game today, but there's a chance for the Chargers to, to knock them off, I think, and maybe start that uh, process of, uh, you know, dissemination for the uh, New England Patriots. We'll see. I would love it if the Chargers did that today, but we'll see. I think the Patriots at home have to be favored. The cardiac kids, the Philadelphia Eagles, are playing New Orleans today. They keep winning. I don't know how they do it, but they keep winning. Do they have a shot against the Saints today, John? A shot, but I think the Saints are the best team in the league. <laughs> I do, and I think the Saints uh, have a pretty much complete package led by a coach who knows how to navigate his team through the playoff waters and, and how to uh, motivate his team. I think Drew Brees, is, uh, if he's not as good as Tom Brady, he is right up uh, next to him in terms of uh, uh, ability and in terms of uh, – experience now and, and playoff success. So you know, I, I would give the Eagles a very slim chance of, of springing an upset. I think they've been kind of uh, getting lucky on, you know, opponents hitting uh, crossbars and stuff and, and uprights over the last couple of weeks. No, I think the Saints are going to win that one. No, the Bills, getting back to the Bills, they have uh, a lot of cap space, John. Is that correct? They do. Um, yes, and they, they finished off a year where they kind of paid the piper, you know, with uh, dead cap space. That'll be gone next year. And the Bills have room to, to spend some money this year in free agency. Now, in the playoffs, you have two receivers that are having good... Uh, Watkins played great last night for, for Kansas City. And um, Woods for Los Angeles. It looks like the Bills had a pretty good receiving core a few years ago. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, Sammy Watkins was never really consistently healthy when he was here, and he hasn't been healthy when he's been in Kansas City or, or the Rams before that either. So he had a good game last night. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't think the Bills were in position to pay him what he was going to get on the open market. They weren't. I know they were worried about their ability to re-sign him at a high price and whether that would be a good idea, especially given his inability to stay on the field. So that's what prompted that move. As far as Robert Woods, he had hit free agency. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm going to speak for Robert here. I don't think he felt at the time that he was going to be able to reach his potential with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. So he was looking around, and he found an opportunity to go home to Los Angeles to play in his hometown, and he jumped on it. Uh, I always thought Robert Woods was a, a really good player for the Bills, actually much more effective than Sammy Watkins ever was. Uh, good player, smart player, and a, and a willing uh, you know teammate who would do whatever it took to win a game. He's a great blocker and, 
and he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and do the best he can. So uh, those are both, you're right, they both played for the Bills. They left for different reasons. Uh, I don't know that either one of them uh, had any intention of making their future with the Buffalo Bills. And in the era of free agency, that's a factor. Super Bowl, uh, who's going to play in the Super Bowl? Well, I think the Saints will be there and uh, probably the Patriots. I would love it if it were the Chargers. I think uh, I think it'll be those three teams that will determine the Super Bowl uh, uh, matchup this year. The Saints for sure in the NFC and either the Patriots or, or the Chargers from the AFC. John, you don't have to answer this. I'm going to have to ask a question. It's been bugging me for the last little bit. Why would the L.A. Raiders sign Nathan Peterman? Well, you know, he's, he's not a joke, and I know he became a punchline because of his propensity for interceptions. But, uh, look, Nathan Peterman is a, is a smart guy with a, a, something to offer in terms of ability and, and application to the task at hand. And, um, you know, I, I, John Gruden knows a thing or two about quarterback play, so I think that, that indicates uh, something that he may know about Nathan Peterman and his, his ability. Nathan Peterman is, was a very successful college quarterback who had a major upset in his resume during his time at Pittsburgh and uh, I wish him well. I think uh, I think it kind of got out of hand. Nathan Peterman became sort of a punchline to, to jokes uh, after a couple of stints with the Bills and he wasn't a joke. You know, He was a guy who tried hard and worked hard and had, uh, uh, certainly I don't think he was ready to play for the Bills or help the Bills in the NFL this, this past year, the last year and a half, but um, I, I don't think he's uh, out of place as a backup quarterback on somebody's roster and especially given a chance to do that. I, I look forward to that. I, I wish him well. Well, maybe uh, maybe on that note, maybe we can uh, s- suggest that uh, Nathan Peterman will be the sequel to the Seinfeld episode with the real Peterman, and maybe that'll show up uh, <laughs> out west. So on <laughs> that note, John, we want to thank you for your time this morning. Uh, we Bills fans up here are hopefully cheering for the best moving forward, and we do certainly hope that uh, we do have a, finally have a solid quarterback that we haven't seen, Naz and I were talking about before the show, since uh, Jim Kelly, and uh, the, the calmness and the way that he handles himself in the pocket and the way he handles himself on the move are certainly indicating that, although he does move a little quicker than Kelly. So we're looking for good things to come in the future. We want to thank you for your time this morning, John. My pleasure. Thanks. Okay, guys. Thanks, John. All right, thanks, and we'll be back in a moment. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues. Price and cost. Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. 
the best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. And we're back with you again. That's Mike Wilson filling in for Wally, who's uh, joined us back on the line again. And we're The Nathan Peterman Show. The Nathan Peterman Show. <laughs> the real guys, Peterman. Guys, i, I got to get my two cents worth in on that. I give, I give John Murphy a lot of credit. He uh, held back, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he's... Uh, you know, he's a John Murphy's a gentleman, and uh, you know he's uh, you know he doesn't want to be overly critical of uh, of Bill's management. But I'll give him credit. Sometimes he, he you know he tells it like it is. So he, uh, but you know he's being fair to Nathan Peterman, the human being. Um, he didn't want to be overcritical in certain respects. Um, I, I think if we want to be critical on that whole episode, on the whole Nathan Peterman episode, is when they traded McCarron at the beginning of the season. And as I know, I know you you're, you're more uh, follow the bills a little bit more closely than I do, and, and ask you to comment. But we had that discussion. I just didn't understand why you wanted to move McCarron out. I know he had some injury problems at the beginning of the year, but you moved McCarron out, and you put Peterman into a role that he wasn't prepared for or should have been put in that role, which is the starting quarterback. That that was to me. Uh, I'll choose my words carefully. I just thought that was just an unfortunate decision, to, and it, uh, uh, Bill's fans should have been justifiably upset about that. And and uh, and it, you know, at the end of the day, to, it sort of cost them half a season because then Allen came in, he got injured right away, and the season was over almost before it started. Naz, your comments. Peterman played one game against the San Diego Chargers two years ago where he threw five interceptions. And that was the only time he played in the NFL. It was craziness to have him start the year as the starting quarterback but he instead, of, instead of McCarron the following year. Yeah. yeah. So why why trade McCarron? I, I don't, you know, we, we can go back and debate that. Yeah, that it doesn't make any now, sense, Wally. You know, and, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave the Nathan Peterman. And I'm sure Nathan Peterman had a, had a quality college career. And I'm sure he's a quality person, and none of this is intended to be personal. But you know, he wasn't—he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. But for the life of me, why would role. why would the Raiders sign him though? Uh, uh, yeah, I, think, I know. I, think I know. John, I think John was a little being a little bit kind on that, but you know, I mean, John makes a point. John, you know what? Who's the guy over in Oakland? Is it John Gruden? Yeah, it's Gruden. Well, you know, he's the same guy who shipped Khalil Mack out of town. So uh, maybe would leave the discussion there. You got rid of the best defensive player in the league, and you brought in, you know, um, a, you know, a third line quarterback. So yeah, but uh, the Raiders, the Raiders now have three first round picks. Wally. Yeah. 
That's three well, in this draft. Yeah, you know what that well, that means in the NFL? That's huge. That's big. It's huge. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Anyways, I, the other thing I wanted to He tanked. Uh, that's what I'm saying. He tanked. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the other thing I wanted to address from John Murphy's uh, uh, comments about the Patriots, uh, I think I think it's the end, uh, unless there's a... Uh, and I haven't checked. I, I didn't do my due diligence this morning. I didn't check the weather reports in New England. Uh, but I don't know what the weather is going to be like there, if it's snowing or anything else. But if it's a reasonably good day, uh, my gut instinct tells me this is the end of the, an era for the New England Patriots. Uh, I, don't, I can't see them winning today. I don't think their defense uh, can shut anybody down anymore. And I, I, think this, I think the Patriots are done, guys. Well, there's a lot of people in that camp with you, Wally. Let me tell you that. There's, they'd love to see the, the, the ship go down, particularly at Gillette Stadium later on today. So you're going to have a lot of supporters with you, So, and me and, being one of them. You know who I'm pulling for? I'm pulling for Andy Reid so bad. I think he deserves a Super Bowl, and I just want Kansas City to win it. I really do. That'd be a good yeah, story. I, I, yeah. I mean, I watched the KC game yesterday. I thought they looked good. Mahomes is the real deal, obviously. You know, you don't need me to say that. I mean, he throws I, behind his back, sidearm I mean, all kid, over the place. He's the incredible. Kid, the kid's unbelievable. He handled the uh, playoffs without, didn't miss a beat. Uh, they're going to get home field advantage uh, next Sunday. And uh, even if the Pats squeeze through, uh, they are not going to be, the, their defense and, you know, KC. You know they uh, they almost knocked the Patriots off earlier in the year in in uh, in Foxborough uh, or in New England, um, and the New England defense didn't look that good in that game. Uh, they're going to look even less less good when they have to face up against the Chiefs in Kansas City if they get past this weekend. One other point: uh, the Nick Foles fairy tale comes to an end today. Uh, he managed to. Uh, Exceed all expectations in last year's Super Bowl and in last week's victory. And uh, but he's going to meet his match with the New Orleans Saints, who I am now projecting as the Super Bowl champions. I, mean, I have the to fact caution that my Ravens went down. I have to caution you, Wally. The Saints in the past four games have not played that well. Uh, Dallas beat them. They lost last week or two weeks ago, their last game of the year. But they didn't play all their guys. But something tells me that Philadelphia is going to do it again. They're going to upset New Orleans today. I, I worry. I, I, I worry I, about teams going in on a losing note into a playoff situation. Well, I got to tell you, Naz, you got me all concerned now because when we go toe to toe on predictions, I'd say you come up, uh, you come up smelling roses at least seventy five percent of the time. So <laughs> the Eagles still have life. Because Naz has put money on them. No, well, I didn't put any money on it. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> well, on that, boys, we could we'll, we'll watch with yeah. real interest here this afternoon to see what happens. But on our home front here, we have a lot of things happening here around the city of Toronto with our own teams. Uh, one we'll get to in a moment, our favorite team in a second. But there's also we have <laughs> Jay's news this week. We got the return of Vince Carter. We've got the Raptors, uh, you know, carrying on with a great season that they're having. But let's get back to uh, what we we're discussing just before the break when uh, John joined us on the Maple Leafs. And Wally, maybe your thoughts on yeah. where the Leafs are going here. And Naz had asked me what the difference is between the way they play on the road and the way they play at home. And you'd heard what my response was. That's, and what is your thoughts? Yeah, I, that's the, you know, Naz and I chatted about that a couple of weeks ago. The Leafs record on the road is, uh, I think it's 1-2 uh, with Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't checked those stats in a week. But Leafs are one of the 
best road teams in the league. Uh, clearly, uh, one of the top two road teams in the league. Yeah. Uh, and their home record leaves something to be desired, although the Leafs, up until a couple of days ago, were the second uh, second most points in the league. I think they're down to fourth, if I'm not mistaken now, fourth or fifth, or in that range anyways, uh, close by. Yeah. Um, they play, and this is, they play a tighter game on the road. And uh, and I think you, you made the point. They, uh, they, uh, they're much more sensitive to their to their defensive responsibilities when they're on the road. They move the puck out of their own zone a lot faster. And they play us, they simplify their game. And, and, and it's not unusual. You guys made the point uh, very eloquently, which is when you're playing in front of your home fans, you want to score goals in bunches, don't you? You want to, you, you want to look good. Uh, and then there's, of course, there's the other theory uh, which is when all the all the road teams come into Toronto, they're all trying to look good for the local cameras because a lot of these kids are going to be on TV and their families are watching and all that. I'm not so sure about that, but uh, Toronto's a mecca. Other teams, other players like to play good in Toronto. They want to be noticed in Toronto, and Leafs play a different game. They they, they just play a different game when they're uh, when they're on the road right now. Well, I'm with you, too, on that camp. I mean, as far as the players coming in here, remember, a lot of the Toronto players are from the area, too, and playing on, they're, they're aware they're playing on National Hockey League, saw Hockey Night in Canada Game of the Week and stuff like that, too. So I, I always find that was just a bit of an excuse. But uh, the bigger thing is is that Toronto's always a target. Everybody wants to beat the Maple Leafs. Uh, they were a top team, so two teams do bring a different type game to play them. And as I said to you earlier, this is the thing that seems to be spreading out of how to, you know, deal with the predictabilities that Toronto has laid out as far as their game plan goes. But on that note, one of the things that's becoming maybe not it, – I've noticed this over the last half, half dozen games or so, but the, the duel between Zatsev and Gardner, they've been really struggling getting the puck out of their own end, particularly Zatsev. But the emergence of Trev, Travis Dermott, although he was – maybe you could – even though he came off the bench last night, Pasternak, he was a bit of the goat that left Pasternak uncovered when he scored that uh, third goal at the end of the period. But Oshnikov, his game has increased, has progressed probably – the best on the team I've seen since the beginning of the year because of the way he's now jumping into the play, his defensive responsibilities have gotten a lot better. He's moving the puck smarter, uh, and he's making more intelligent pinches at, like as far as holding the blue line. So his game has really, really stepped up, and I and I can see if, uh, this, as this progresses further that maybe they move, he can move into a top four defenseman quicker than least I've been predicted. Mike uh, uh, Naz, um, I think some I can't remember if it was the. Uh, um, uh, Kelly Rudy or Don Cherry made this comment on um, on uh, on one of the broadcasts a couple of weeks back, and it, the, the success of this Leafs team. And you know, I and uh, you know, I don't want to get you know, uh, I, I don't like to look at these things on a game by game basis. More so, trends are more important. You know, they played a good game last night; they didn't win, but it's that type of game they're going to have to play in the playoffs. And they're going to have to learn to win that type of game. This. This particular Leafs team is very capable of winning the Stanley Cup. They are. They're, there's if, if Freddie Anderson plays um, at the top of his game in the playoffs, they've got enough up front. There's no question in my mind. The two keys to the Leafs' drive uh, to, to, to earn a successful uh, seeding in the playoffs, which right now the best they could probably do 
is number two in their division behind Tampa. I, you know, they're not going to catch Tampa. Let's be realistic. So you want to grab that number two spot, and you're probably going to get the Bruins in the next round. Uh, but the key to the Leafs' success will be they've got to pressure the puck. They've got to play like the Detroit Red Wings did in 2008 and 2009. They've got to pressure the puck every single moment of the game. They've got to have guys skating all over the ice in, in, in a disciplined way, pressuring the puck, possessing the puck, and they've got to play well down below their hash marks. And that's the point I think uh, uh, Kelly Rudy was playing. That seems to be what they lack. They've got to be able to get on the puck, turn around, get the puck out, chip it off the board, simplify it. Um, Easier said than done, especially when you don't have a Nick Lidstrom back there. Um, But that will be the key to the Leafs' run. Are they capable? Yeah, I I think they're absolutely capable. Are they going to do it? Well, you know, you got seven or eight other teams that got that uh, that brings something to bear. I mean, a lot of it depends on injuries, and a lot of it depends on matchups. When right De- now, the Bruins don't look like a good matchup for the Leafs. When Detroit when Detroit played that style, they did have some bangers too. Like they had bangers. Well, the, you know, the Franson was a banger. You know, they yeah. had uh, Cromwell on Cromwell defense. on defense, and he's available, by the way. Yeah, but my, he- my guy, right. I'm not so sure you need bangers anymore, guys. You you tell me, Mike. You tell me, Naz. The Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the two years they won the Stanley Cup, who filled the role of a banger on that team, or who filled their the goalie. role of a? Nick? You know, you know who the, did. Who? You know who did. Who? It was Kunitz. He was a forward that played. Yeah, but that's Kadri. But that's Kadri. Yeah, but Kadri. You know? That's that's the problem. Kadri's not playing okay. that game right now. He's not. Wow. And he hasn't played that game in the last 25 games. And I love Nazem Kadri, but he's not uh, I, playing you know nasty. And they need uh, him to I, play nasty. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It, it, Kadri's more effective when he plays nasty. There's no question about that. Unless, you know, unless he goes over the edge and he gets a suspension in the middle of, of the first round of a critical playoff series. You know, so that nastiness can turn into something that's non-productive. He's got to stop uh, trying to play like John Tavares and play like Nazem Kadri. That's the yeah, main that's thing. Fine, but one one player ain't going to make the whole difference on this team. Um, and in and, and today's NHL, to a certain extent, not what it used to be. So do you need a nasty guy? Yeah, I guess. You know what? Tom Wilson on the Washington Capitals sure last do. year proved that it doesn't hurt. And you know the Washington Capitals play a very when you know when when uh, when push comes to shove when you get to playoff time they play a pretty nasty game and a pretty heavy game. There's a guy uh, in Detroit. There's a sorry. There's a guy in New York, the defenseman that uh, they have, McQuaid. I would yeah. call New York today and ask him if he wanted to get a trade <laughs> well, to the least. Did you see the fight he had a big with Reeves with, with some guy with with the Knights? Yeah, it was yeah, Reeves okay. from the Vegas yeah. Knights. What a tilt I, I, that was! I, I, I thought I was watching archival footage. I said, "There's two NHL guys going toe to toe." I go, "Is that did that actually happened yesterday?" I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. If he can play any type of defense, he'd be the perfect fit on the least blue line because they do take liberties on our on the on our best players because I'm a Leaf fan, of course. But our Mike, best players, yeah. Mike, where do you see this team going? Well, I, the, the key is is any team like the, uh, anybody that makes the playoffs come into Stanley Cup, and that's that's the new NHL, and, and that's been proven in the last couple of years. Uh, but as far as Toronto goes, what wins you Stanley Cups is goaltending, and Anderson, you know, for all he's done in a couple of the critical games they've played this year, he has not won them. 
and particularly the one in Tampa. And what what it will do for this team to progress further will be will start in goal. And last night, even though Hutchinson played a good game, he has to stop one of those three that went in for the Leafs to win those type of games, as Rusk did at the other end of the rink for Boston, and he won that game for them when they weren't they didn't have their best game, and Toronto didn't allow them to play their best game. So below the hash marks that you talk about in your own end. That's where the Leafs have to get a little nastier, and that's where I think that Oshnikov and even Dermott should, will see more minutes as the time goes. As a matter of fact, Dermott, I think, had the most tight time last night of some of the defensemen outside of Riley. So I think you'll see that progress as we move along because that'll be the key. And you're right, Pittsburgh did win with a very ordinary defense, with even with, with their top guy out. And but they had some sandpaper, too. They had some sandpaper, don't but don't forget, they had guys like Phil Kessel and some pretty small forwards up front. But what these guys did is they, did, they, they followed through on their checking assignment and came back. And that's what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to have to do is play both ends of the rink. I know it's a very cliche statement, but that it doesn't get any more simpler than that. Here's the, thing. Here's the thing about the goaltending, just a sec, Wally. Mike Hutchison plays his 10th game on Monday night. Yeah. The next game after, they have to send, if they send him down, he's up for waivers. They have 10 games and he's got one more start. Who's 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 the backup last night? What's uh, Maybe they got to put him in net from now. When's, uh, the kid from the Marlies. Well, well, Anderson, who, who's the guy who had the flu? Was it Sparks or was Spark, it? Uh, no, Sparks no, had the concussion. And Anderson, Anderson had, the had the flu and the groin. Yeah, so. Oh. Which is questionable because he's been practicing steadily for the last 10 days. So if you have a groin injury, a goaltender of all things should not be on the ice. He, Hutchinson only has one game left, and then he, if he, he, if he gets sent that, down, he Hutchinson should be the backer for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. Sure. He's a National Hockey League goalie. Uh, Garrett Sparks, I've been saying time and time again, is not a National Hockey League goalie at this point in his career. And the Leafs cannot afford to have on-the-job training at this point, especially with what we saw last night happen with Boston, and especially what you'll see happen maybe tomorrow night with a very hungry Colorado team coming in that's lost eight out of the last nine or ten or whatever it is. And you've got Tampa on Thursday night. This this will be a critical week for the Leafs as far as that goes. I know it's 38 games left in the season, but there's some tendencies being set here, and it starts right in the net, and that's what the Leafs have to establish. And you can, I, I can probably be assured that the management is very aware of this, and that that's one of their concerns. Well, the bottom line is hockey starts in February, so uh, well, a week you, away. You, you can play you can play your way out of a playoff spot up until February, but come February, then the games get. Uh, it comes a different game. It's going to be more like last night. And since we're on, on Leafs topic, guys, I want to th- I'm to throw it out to you guys. Marner and Riley are not, especially Riley, who's considered 1-2 right now with Mark Giordano in the Norris race. Uh, neither one of those guys is going to the All-Star game. Um, any uh, any thoughts on that? Does anybody well, care? Skinner, Skinner's going, and he's got 30 yeah. goals. So, he, you know, how, what do you do? You can only have so many Leafs, right? Well, well, even Austin Matthews getting voted. Like, uh, why would you vote Austin Matthews and miss fourteen games? And and Mitch Marner, who's been the Leafs' best player all year, John Tavares. You know, Marner. You know, you can make an argument. Then even Matthews said those guys should go in front of him, and even Riley actually too. And Tavares is going. But just from a selfish perspective, I'm kind of happy. You know, I'd be thrilled that they'd be honored. But uh, it's probably you know. Gives them an opportunity to rest. Exactly, you know, they get three, three, four days rest, and uh, you know it's not insignificant at that time of year. Let's put it that way. So, from a Toronto Maple Leaf perspective, 
rather than a Mitch Marner or Riley perspective, it's probably a good thing. Well, February 23rd, they play Washington, and, or uh, January 23rd, they play Washington, and they don't play again until February 1st in Detroit. So they get eight days off because they get their five-day CBA week off holiday during the season that they have to get now along lots, with the all-star lots break. Lots of time for Anderson to rest. Lots of time to, and I'm sure that's in the back of the mind also why he's been sitting recently because they've had a number of winnable games coming up and uh, you know one of them, uh, Florida is a game but they've got Colorado on Monday and as I mentioned Tampa on Thursday and then they've What's it, what's going on with these players fight, fighting their coaches like Tor- Tortorella and uh, Brobowski, <laughs> and then you got uh, McKinnon and uh, the coach for Colorado fighting on the ah, bench. That's heated what's going stuff. on? Ah, so what? They need the break now, man. That's not a big deal. They, the Colorado one that just shows the guys in the game, and he got he got far. He was arguing he thought the goal Tor- should Tortorella is pretty funny. Though. And Tortorella, you can imagine what goes on behind the doors with him. You'll, you'll see what he's like in front of a camera and a microphone. Look, imagine what he's like behind a door. It goes on behind oh, with these I can players. Imagine. So you can imagine, and we're not even hearing any of that. So there's probably some really good, uh, colorful conversations. And the great, that go on. And the great Hitchcock. He he did a great job with Edmonton, right? Well, well, guys, so listen, we're coming down to the last couple of minutes here. How about a couple of thoughts on uh, a couple of the other teams that are in town here? Uh, how about the return of Vince Carter this week, Naz? What do you think of that? There was talk about him coming back to the Raptors for this season. I'm not so sure that's a good idea. No, I, I, I let me chime really quickly. Please don't bring back Vince Carter to play for the team. The team doesn't need Vince Carter in the lineup. They're fine the way they are. They have the best record in the NBA. You don't need any distractions. Uh, when they've got all their players healthy, and uh, the only one I think they're missing right now is Jonas, uh, they, uh, they're going to the NBA Finals. Don't mess with that. It doesn't make any sense. And by the way, this guy's played for seven teams in nine years, all crappy teams. This guy quit on you twice already when he was in his prime. Uh, this guy missed a playoff game, game seven, to go to a school graduation. So... And they want to honor this guy. So, I mean, they'll, and by the way, I think this year was the fourth year in a row where he was going to be playing his last game in Toronto. So just bid yeah. farewell to that guy and goodbye. Yeah. And, spe- and speaking of farewells, now what about our Toronto Blue Jays? Nass. Yeah, the, Russ the, the, Martin was traded, so we're going to be an all-rookie team trade, this year. Nass? What's Nass? that? What would you think of that trade? Oh, I think they had to do it. I was saying to, I was saying to Mike before the, before the show started that, they they've been uh, they needed to do that. They need to get younger, and they have a lot of young guys now. The oldest guy is Morales at thirty five, and then uh, Smoke at thirty two, and the rest of them are under 30, 30 and under. So they're going to be a young team, and they need to rebuild and look out for Guerrero. He's going to have a big year. And I got rid of that other stiff Tulowitzki who could go down. <laughs> well, he could go down is probably the wor- one of the worst trades in Blue Jay history, if you if you think about it from monetary value and what this guy contributed to this team. So it is going to be a young, young team we're looking at this year. So there's going to be some pain. But Wally, or Wally would, Naz and I were discussing before the show whether they could possibly play 500 this year. But that's going to be up for grabs. So that could be probably the best we're looking for. So, guys, we are uh, at that time of the day again. We're, we're wrapping up a show. Wally, thanks for joining us from, uh, from afar. I uh, hope the rest of your day goes nice and you're in a little better weather than we have right now, where it's very, very cold today. Naz? So we're going to bring in Nathan Peterman to co host. We're going to co host next, next Nathan Peterman. Well, he doesn't have anything to do, so he can. The real Peterman will be back to join us. Well, guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week.